morning. Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me, all you that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Grace and peace to you, beloved. If you haven't had a chance to meet me yet, my name is Amy Wilson-Feltz, and I'm the pastor here at Morningstar, and I am delighted to be with you on this first Sunday in the season of Lent. I invite you to take a deep breath with me as we pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight this morning, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Several years ago, I was involved in a community garden effort in my neighborhood, and we decided one season to reduce the number of rows that we were planting and to increase the number of raised beds that we built because those were easier for our neighbors to tend to throughout the season. So we had scouted out the property. We decided where we wanted to put the additional raised beds. We'd ordered the materials, and all that was left was to pick up the soil. I offered to do that on my day off. I asked Jason if I could borrow his truck while he was working and the kids were in daycare, and I drove to the nursery, which was not far from where we lived and where the garden was located, and I pulled around back, and all the nursery workers began to help me load the truck with 20-pound bags of soil. One, right after the other, right after the other. And as they kept coming, I thought, I'm going to need a bigger truck. When, in what turned out to be halfway through the process, I asked one of the workers, do I need to make two trips? He said, oh, you'll be fine. Just put your hazards on. Go really slowly. You're not going that far. Like, oh, my goodness. So when the truck bed was full, and I mean full, I got into the truck, I turned on the hazards, I pulled into the street, and I started driving back to the garden, and I called Jason on the way, hands-free, of course, just to let him know what was happening. I said, I have a ton of dirt in the back of your truck right now. And he said, what? (laughs) He knew I had the truck. I just think he wasn't quite aware of what I was actually going to be doing with it. And I said, well, it's probably not a ton, literally, but it's got to be pretty close. And I'm trying to get back to the garden. And he said, well, are you okay? I said, of course. Of course I'm okay. I'm, I'm doing the best that I can. I'm just afraid of damaging the truck. And he said, well, don't worry about the truck. Just do the best you can to get to the garden without having an accident. And I'm like, this is too much. I just confessed with him. This is too much. I did not think this all the way through, and I can't just start bailing 20-pound bags of soil on the way, so I'm just going to have to get to this point to where I can start unloading the dirt in a safe way, but I don't want to do this again. You know, 
I'm stuck. It's too much, but I just have to get to the other side. This is not an unusual story for me, but also for most of society. This feeling of carrying too much is a familiar one in our culture. Weariness is a constant. Exhaustion is to be expected. A perpetual state of unrest in the world, we could think about Ukraine right now, keeps us carrying burdens that seem heavier and fatigue that seems possible to impossible to overcome. So we just keep driving with our hazards blinking, hoping that people won't get too close. Something that Jesus says in one of his sermons in the Gospel of Matthew plants a seed about a different way of living. It's a really appropriate message for this season of Lent in our church calendar, which begins on what we call Ash Wednesday and continues until Easter Sunday. We call it Lent in reference to an old English word that refers to the lengthening of the days in springtime. During this 40-day season, followers of Jesus are invited to reflect upon the inevitability of our own deaths and our dependence upon the grace of God. And we begin Lent with Ash Wednesday because ashes have a long history in the Jewish culture and in Christian practice in association with grief and lament. So if you've ever observed Ash Wednesday, as many of you did last week with me, you received the sign of the cross on your forehead in ashes, and you likely heard something like this, from dust you came, and to dust you shall return. It sounds like something right out of a funeral service, ashes to ashes, and dust to dust, and it's supposed to sound that way, to help us consider how we can make better use of the gift of life while we can. This was an underlying thread in the message of Jesus, too, and we certainly find it in this passage from chapter 11 that Kathy read for us just a few minutes ago. Now, at this point in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is making a name for himself. The Spirit of God has affirmed his identity publicly in his baptism in the Jordan River. He's been tempted in the wilderness by the forces of evil He's delivered a beautiful message that we call the Sermon on the Mount, where he takes the law of God and he centers it in a love of God and neighbor and self. He's healed people who are sick and injured. He has quieted a storm with the sound of his voice. He's developed a team, a team of ordinary people, full of flaws and vices, but also gifts and graces. And he sent this team out into the world to share the good news of God's presence. He precisely sent them to those places that seem most broken, to the people who are most ostracized, to the situations that seem the most hopeless. And it's in the next chapter, after giving his team their mission and reminding them that they are not alone, he offers this message that we read today. Now, the meaning of so many of these words in this passage are familiar to us. We know what it means to be weary. We know what it means to carry heavy burdens. We know what it means to long for rest. But what about a yoke? What is that? Literally, a yoke is a wooden beam normally used between a pair of oxen or other animals to enable them to pull together a heavy load when working in pairs. Now you can see what a yoke looks like here on a pair of working animals. Now Jesus was a carpenter by trade, and at least one legend has it that he was known 
for making the best yoke in Galilee. When a yoke was crafted for a specific animal, it fit that animal in such a way that the weight of the load would not be felt as acutely. The load was still there, and it still needed to be carried, of course, but the burden of the weight that that was placed on the animal would be lessened if the yoke fit well. So yes, Jesus was a carpenter, but as we said just a few minutes ago, he was making a name for himself as a spiritual influencer, as a teacher, as a rabbi in the Jewish faith. And by the time Jesus was on the scene in the first century Mediterranean world, this idea of a yoke was being used as a metaphor. The concept of the yoke had come to be used to describe each rabbi's interpretation of the law. The rabbis would explain in their teaching why their yoke, their interpretation of God's law, was the best as people sought to follow them, to learn from them. It was sort of a recruiting tactic, honestly. Jesus is saying here that his yoke as a rabbi does not teach the unmanageable heaviness that the law of other rabbis, the yokes of other rabbis taught. This is a very true and important teaching for people who are weary. The whole concept of the yoke is one of reality. We're not talking about dismissing or denying life's burdens. The load was still there. Remember, it still needed to be carried. The point is that the burden of the weight of the load would be lessened if the yoke fits well. So it is with us and the yoke of Jesus. Under the yoke of Jesus, our burdens may not completely disappear or even be easy to carry in the moment, but we will have the tools to carry them well, and we will not carry them alone. Now, facing our problems and sharing our burdens in this way doesn't just happen because we want it to. Even when we love Jesus and we know Jesus loves us, it takes intention and practice. And this is what the season of Lent can teach us. So often in life, our tendency is to rush to the celebration. We carve out time in our year to celebrate the birth of the baby Jesus at Christmas time. But it's not long after the new year starts that we begin to look for Easter and the resurrection. But you cannot have resurrection without death. And it's the time in between that life really happens. As we listen and learn and struggle and strive and grieve and grow. Specifically, the season of Lent invites us into 40 days of serious reflection, not just on the pain of life, but on the brevity of it. And that's not meant to make us sad, but to give us gratitude for the gift of life and for the one who breathes life into us and makes us divine image bearers. These 40 days of our own Lenten journey connect to Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness just after his baptism and to the 40 years that the people of Israel spent in the wilderness between Egypt and the Promised Land and to the 40 days and the 40 nights of the rains of the Great Flood that gave wilderness a whole new meaning. You see, when we see the number 40 in Scripture, we could translate that as a really long time. Truly, a really long time, regardless of the actual number of days. And it's often paired with a story set in wilderness for a reason. 
So much of our life can feel out of bounds and aimless. That's why this word wilderness is so important. It's a key theme in the season of Lent especially. It invites us to consider how God can sustain us when things are not going the way that we planned or the way that we hoped. And that reliance on God requires us to show some humility. Humility can be described as freedom from pride or arrogance. Freedom from pride and arrogance. Now, pride and arrogance are really tricky because they sneak up on us when they present themselves as harmless attitudes. When we convince ourselves that we are self-sufficient, that we can work through our problems on our own, that we don't need anybody's help, not even God's. When we assume these postures that are so prevalent and reinforced in our culture, even in the church, we take on a load that we were never meant to carry. We burden ourselves with unrealistic expectations, and we set ourselves up to crumble under the weight of unsustainable ways of thinking and living. But Jesus tells us that he is gentle and humble of heart. That's the opposite of proud and arrogant. If we adopt that posture of humility, we adopt a new understanding of living in faith. We submit to the yoke of Jesus, and our loads begin to feel lighter. We can stop and rest, take breaks. We can breathe deeply. This concept of rest and renewal is built right into our observance of Lent. Now, if you looked at the calendar and you counted the days between Ash Wednesday and Easter Sunday, you'd get more than 40. You would. In the season of Lent, Sundays don't count. Or perhaps maybe they count more because they are days of celebration. On Sunday, we're invited to take a break from our Lenten fast, from our practices of self-denial. We're invited to lean into the grace of God with humility. In other words, Sundays are days in Lent, but not days of Lent. Sundays are a perfect metaphor for the easy burden of the yoke of Jesus. We have a lot to carry in this life. But when we are yoked with Jesus, the burden is not all on us. And what's more, Jesus gives us rest, the opportunity to sit down and take the load off altogether for a season and breathe deeply. Breathing deeply is one of the greatest invitations in Lent. It invites us, breathing deeply invites us to locate ourselves within these human bodies with all of their capabilities and their limitations. Breathing deeply is the focus of our church-wide Lenten practice this year as we consider the space between our load and our limits. That's another word for margin as it relates to our rhythm of life in this age of progress and overload. That's why we're calling our Lenten worship series this year Margin, creating the space to breathe deeply. Again, margin is the space between our load and our limits. And our need for margin is something that I'm inviting all of us to consider in a church-wide practice of mindfulness. And I'm calling this practice taking note. And that's what these little notebooks are all about. I'm going to need these, not just today, but every Sunday in the season of Lent. If you are worshiping at home or in your car or wherever you happen to be right now, we want to make these available to you as well. So you can place a note in the comment section, or you can give us a call at church, or you can stop by and we'll make sure that you receive one. You can also use any notebook that you have. 
Each week, I'm going to ask a question that will invite us to be honest about the burdens that we are carrying and the areas in which we need to cultivate more margin. We can write down that question in our notebooks, and then throughout the week, we can add observations about our habits and our attitudes and our rhythm of life. And then we'll bring these notebooks back each week, and we'll consider the next question together. Because we all have areas in which we are carrying too much. So let me say here now that I cannot make you do this, and I know that. It's an invitation. That's all it is. But there is power in a church-wide practice, and that power is found in the numbers. Because when we accept the easy burdens of Jesus, we're not just yoked with him. We're also yoked with each other. It's a community commitment to bear one another's burdens, to show up when the margins have disappeared, and to help each other dig out of the dirt that has buried us a little bit at a time, just as my friends did that day at the garden when I was finally able to stop the truck and turn off the hazards and unload the 20-pound bags of soil. We're all in this together, beloved, and together we can support each other in recognizing when we have become overburdened. So that's the first question that I'm inviting you to consider with me over the next week. In what areas of life could I use some margin? So I'd like you to write that down in your notebooks right now if you have a pen with you, and I'll take some time to do it as well. In what areas of my life... Could I use some margin? So even if you are unsure about this practice, it wouldn't hurt you to Think about the question. In what areas of my life could I use some margin? Please know that you don't have to be a great writer to do this exercise. You just need to be honest and make a few notes without judgment for yourself and for others. Change is an important part of Lent. And so what we're asking with these questions is what, what needs to change? What needs to change in my life so that I'm living to the fullest? Change is an important part of Lent because it's built right into the premise, the dust you shall return, repent, and believe the gospel. Repent is a very churchy word. It means to change the way that you think, to change the way that you think. We can do this. We actually can change the way that we think. Most often we change the way that we think after we change the way that we act. We change our habits, we change our routines, we change our rhythms, and we begin to think differently as a result. And this is what it means to believe the gospel, to believe in the ways that Jesus calls us to live, to accept his yoke so that we can live into greater freedom. Freedom requires margin. There is no way around that. Freedom requires margin. 
So margin is what I invite you to discover with me on this Lenten journey to the cross as we continue to place our hope in the resurrection so that with every deep breath, we are cultivating space in our lives for the things that really matter. Amen? Amen. I believe it is time for our pastoral prayer. We are celebrating the fact that we now live in a low-risk area in terms of COVID, and we are inviting additional people and additional voices to the mic. Before I share our pastoral prayer, I do want to let you know that this weekend we learned that our dear friend Johnny Hammett passed away. If you knew Johnny, um, you knew her to be a lively presence. She was the ringleader of the Hatch Ladies. She she was in her 90s, like she's to me, she's like always been in her 90s. <laughs> Uh, but uh, she was in her 90s and um, hadn't been able to get to church recently since COVID. Um, but she was a longtime member and a huge supporter in so many ways. And she will be missed and she will be remembered. Let us pray. Lord, we face this Lenten journey not sure if we are ready or if it would just be easier to stay in our safety and comfort zone. Help us to take the risk of looking within and looking beyond ourselves to the joy that awaits us. Give us hearts of courage and strength for the tasks which lie ahead. Be with each one of us as we move from the winter of discouragement to the spring of hope. Cleanse our spirits and make us truly ready to be your disciples. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.